0: Welcome to a special edition of the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm an USC writer, Chris Wharf, joined by Chief uh, Football writer Lee Ryder out here in Dublin. Uh, we're just near Temple Bar at the moment. You might be able to hear some Irish music uh, in the background. So we'll speak up. And if, if you can't hear us, just, just send in your messages. And the first part of this podcast is going to be live on Facebook, and, and then the rest you'll be able to hear later on. I mean, just to sum up, uh, Newcastle, Wouton Island, they're already back home Me and are flying back tonight uh, Newcastle flew out last Wednesday Had a week-long training camp at Carton House The media were there on Monday, spoke to the players On Tuesday, uh, we also got access to Rafa Benitez in an open training session And then last night, played the first pre-season game 2-0 victory over uh, St Patrick's Athletic um, Routine game really, a lot of changes, nine changes at half-time Newcastle won 2-0 uh, Sean Longstaff on his debut scored a really good goal, for, so he's probably man of the match. And uh, then Christian Atsu scored a late penalty. I mean, Lee, just just looking back at the week, first of all, before the game. I mean, obviously you you like me spoke to Rafa, spoke to the players. What was the general mood like out here in Ireland? It seemed quite relaxed, and uh, there's a real air
1: of tranquility at Carton House, as you've seen. Um, it's a brilliant venue. You know, everything's there that the players need. They pretty much get out of the beds, have the breakfast, and just go straight onto the training pitch, and it's all within two or three minutes. You don't always get that in preseason, you know. I've been on trips to America, um, Spain, uh, New Zealand, where they've really t- been away from home for a long time, uh, and it's been just a case of travelling around different venues. Not great organisation sometimes, and really for Newcastle now. They've got that week in the bank where they've had those consecutive training sessions, two a day, uh, five or six days in a row. That's exactly what they want. And I heard Jurgen Klopp the other day, sort of complaining about you know Liverpool's schedule, where it's great to be playing these big games in America, but the big problem he's got is his consecutive days on the training pitch and uh, getting stuff going. And I, I've done an interesting piece with Rafa tomorrow, where he actually talks about the position Newcastle are in compared to a Man City or Liverpool, yes, they've got better players, but it's about squad size and squad quality, and if you have got the, the bigger squad, then sometimes you can't do those trips a little bit better, but for Rafa, they've really got to work on small things, and if they can
0: get those small things perfected before the start of the season, then have got a chance of a good start. I mean, you make that point, you know, you spot, I spoke to Jamal LaSalle on Monday, and he was, he just said, he said, look for us, this is this is perfect, I don't want to go away for it, he, taught, he, re, he referred to the USA uh, trip when Steve McLaren first took over and he said he hated it. He said the two weeks they were basically in there the whole time, training sessions weren't great, recovery was difficult. For Benitez, the focus over the last week has just been on training and getting Newcastle ready, a lot of tactical sessions. Uh, the players have been able to have a bit of downtime, but I also found it interesting because there's, there's a couple of other people in the background who were saying, like, you, you almost... Get we uh, almost get a bit bored because there is nothing to do. With that that's what Benitez wants. He doesn't want any distractions. The focus is on the football. And then the build-up was to that first pre-season game. And we have a rather strange situation where that game was last night. Sorry, there's a bit of drill going in the background. So if, you, if if you're hearing that, then apologise. But we'll we'll keep going anyway. And uh, basically, so Newcastle don't have another game for another week. They've had the first one out of the way last night. I mean, looking back on that game, Lee, bit of a hit out. 20 players got got a run out. And obviously Sean Longstaff really caught the headlines, didn't he? He did, and fantastic for him that you know he got the goal. But I think overall, if he hadn't got the goal,
1: his performance was fantastic all round. He really imposed himself on the game in the opening stages, got some good good early touches, uh, he was looking for a pass, and what it got at one point in the game where the rest of the team were actually looking where he was to, to get him on the ball, and that was fantastic uh, for a young player to step up, looked unfazed. Uh, played the full 90 minutes and that's a real big uh, pat on the back really because you know n- not many There was only two played the full 90 him and Yarny wasn't it yeah there was there so. only the two of them yeah. so it's a vote of confidence from Rafa they've now got a big decision what to do with Sean Longstaff because he's probably a, a bit of a bonus in terms of they weren't expecting him to have such a good pre-season there's already a loan deal fixed up at Portsmouth he's meant to be due down there in the next couple of days to sign for them but at the minute you've got Marino's gone there's no new signings coming in. Isaac Hayden's unsettled. Longstaff's a viable option if. Well, because Key the... isn't even back yet, is he? Key's not back yet. So they're very short on central midfielders. He's a viable option for them at the minute. And, uh, you know, he, he looked capable, he looked unfazed. So why not?
0: I mean, on top of Longstaff, I thought that Yanni did play very well. I thought he looked cool and composed in there because Jamal Assells missed the game. We understand it was just precautionary. There's nothing to worry about there, just a, a bit of tightness. Uh, other players, I thought, I mean, Matt Ritchie did a bit of needle first off and he obviously got himself involved in a little bit of an incident, um, but certainly didn't seem like a player once away to me. It looked very much like a guy who's committed to the cause and he, he's lost, of that, lost none of that enthusiasm, has he?
1: Yeah, it's one of them where, you know, Looking at the situation, the the squad in general, um, they're all in a good place, you know. And Rafa's got them in that good place. And you know, for him now, it's a case of he just needs to add those two or three players um, to the pool of players he's got. By the time we go to Portugal, done a little piece earlier with Rafa. By the time we go to Portugal, maybe they'll have that striker on board. And I think I can see a lot of people are asking that when the next signing's going to be. By the time we go to Portugal.
0: Hopefully he's in the bargain, we'll be interviewing him And we'll be discussing A lot more about transfers Once we've finished The Facebook Live And in the podcast So make sure to tune in that. Just just going back to the game I mean Sort of slightly Touching upon transfers But one thing that, that really struck me As well is that Paul Dummett didn't play Because he, he games Had a precautionary niggle So they didn't, didn't want to risk him But they had Fernand, Victor Fernandez out there Carl Roberts Two youngsters who've done really well in the wing, and they were both playing a fullback, and that just shows because Benitez has so few options there, doesn't he? adora has gone, Jesus Gamers has gone. Benitez wants extra players there, and he just doesn't have that many options. Yeah, he was almost making a point, wasn't he, yeah. by putting the youngsters in the fullback
1: positions? But that's what he's got at the end of the day. You know, it's. I, me- I remember writing. I think it was the first week of the summer. Mm-hmm. And I said he's out to buy a right back. He needs more cover right back. Yeah, you've got Manquillo. Um, you've got Yedlin, but Mankiewicz has been playing at left back a lot of the time he's had here, and you want real quality competition coming in. Yedlin's been a solid player for Newcastle; he's done nothing wrong. But you can't have enough. To, you can't have too many good players, and uh, Newcastle need that that cover because they're only three, four injuries away from a bit of a crisis. Because you look at that squad,
0: it's very light on the ground. It is. I mean, um, we an area for that which obviously we're going to talk about transfers further on the podcast but in terms of up front Hoss-Lew played the first 45 minutes last night then Gail came on I mean what, how did you assess the two of them I thought personally Hossloo first half plenty of endeavour as always didn't and first first game of the season sorry the drills back but first game of pre-season he's going to be a bit rusty but it just didn't seem to me like his touch was quite there and he didn't really take the opportunities that came his way no for me
1: his fitness did seem to be there, but it, it just seems to be devoid of any confidence. Because yeah. some of them chances were like, were presentable opportunities, you know. And uh, it just seemed like a player who's just missing that bit of confidence, and um, hard to get that back, you know. Unless, you, unless you can get a goal. I said before the game, he, he's a player that's in need of a few goals in pre-season. St Patrick's, no disrespect to them, that was a great chance to, to get on the score sheet last night. And the chances he had, he just made them more complicated. and when a player's going through that kind of um, sort of run, that's what happens. You, you miss the easier chances, and uh, you know Dwight Gale, the player, he hasn't scored many goals himself. I know you no. spoke to him after the game. Um, but he won the penalty. He, he done. He contributed something. But he looked sharper, didn't he? Listen yeah. A little bit sharper. He did. Um, whether he's a 20-goal-a-season man in the Premier League, that's what Rafa's kind of getting at his knees. He's almost challenging the players. He's got the minute to say, I don't think he's up quite good enough he's working hard i don't think he's quite good enough so that's why we're looking for another striker and um, i believe the player he wants is rondon Um that's pretty much out in the open the price everybody knows just get the deal done and it's you know
0: happy days again apologies for the volume there wasn't any works going on when we started so that's why we picked this area so i apologize for anything in the background um another interesting point for me last night was that Obviously Rafa brought five keepers out here which basically had more keepers than anyone than any other position. First half Darlow played, went off with it, with a slight injury which again don't think is too much of an issue but just, just took a little bit of a knock. And then second half rather than Martin Dubravka or Woodman or even Rob Elliott who came on it was Matt Sells who we hadn't seen since Oxford United away 18 months ago. I mean bit of a bizarre situation. I spoke to him after the game and it's going up in the morning where he basically says look I'm at Newcastle, my mind is on Newcastle at the moment this is where uh, I have to believe I'm going to be but in the next three weeks that could change I mean Lee is there a way back from can he force can he the way back in that team well I'm glad he believes because
1: I, I can't see him getting anywhere near the number one spot Dubravka is very much the man at Newcastle now you know I was sat quite near Dubravka on the stands and you can see the other players um, they kind of bounce off him and he brings the best out of people he's a really good sort of character to have around uh, he's very much the number one but then you've got Carl Dahlo, who'd done okay last night when he came on. Uh, Rob Elliott, who we watched in training. Rob Elliott was having an absolutely blinding time yeah. keeping them out from all angles. So, those three are the three keepers. I can't see Mattel's getting beyond them. Um, it would take a, a massive injury crisis. Let's be honest, it hasn't worked out for him at Newcastle. Me personally, I would have taken the money that left offered, get the deal done, and then you can plow that into something else. The transfer didn't work out. He came over here, he tried his best. He's not gonna be number one here. Um he can't be number one for Belgium either because he's got some good competition there. I know he was in and around the squad, but I don't know, he's just he's an unlucky guy. I, I mean I've seen the Matras story earlier in the summer. Yeah,
0: that was unfortunate.
1: Um he just seems to have like some
0: bad luck and uh hopefully that'll improve it and get a move somewhere else. And in terms of the other youngsters who were playing, I've mentioned that Longstaff was probably in the match. Joseph Yarny played throughout and did pretty well. Roberts and Fernandez, I thought they looked okay at full-back, but, natu- but neither of them are fullbacks. I mean, the other one who is a big talking part. I know he's been around for a while. But Adam Armstrong came on second half with Newcastle having not signed an attacking midfielder as well, which is something Rafa wanted long-term. There's only really Ayose Perez as number 10. That's where Adam Armstrong came on the second half. It was all, it was bizarre because this is a player who's come through and really has made his reputation on the number of goals he scored in the youth team, the number of goals he scored for England youth teams. And it was almost the closer he got the penalty box, the less confident he looked. And I thought that he had a few decent passes, he played a really good ball through uh, to Gale at one point. I mean Lee, Adam Armstrong, what what what's the situation there? Do you, do you think he's got a chance of forcing his way in the first team plans? Unfortunately I don't. I think there's ahead
1: of him and they're trying to bring in at least one, one more striker and I, I just think that really for him now alone is an option and if Newcastle can get money for him I think they will sell him and I've just been totally honest that's, that's what I'm led to believe and uh, you know he's not going to be the number one choice um, Newcastle have got other options it's a shame because he's a local lad I think at one point he had the opportunity to, to kick on it didn't happen for him I think the season when we got relegated was, surely that was his best chance to get games, he got loaned out instead. So, you know, it's, it's one of them situations where sadly it just hasn't worked out and Newcastle, they need to start making money on these players now. They're letting players get to the end of the contract, they're leaving for nothing, Newcastle are ploughing money into them, developing them, and then at the end of it they're not getting anything back and, you know, people like Justin Barnes are like scrutinising every penny at that club and they seem to be missing the point with the academy, that they're not making any money whatsoever. Um, people like Macaulay Gillespie, he left, uh, Alex Gilliard left, he didn't pick a penny up for these players. Okay, they didn't make it at Newcastle, but if you're getting 50000 or a £100,000 for them, at least you're getting some return on the, the money you've invested to develop them through the squad, because they're not going through for nothing. No. You're keeping them for like four or five years, and then they're just leaving. I mean, Kurt's Good being the, I know he wasn't a homegrown product, mm-hmm. but cost Newcastle millions uh, they'll pay him six or £7,000 a week to sit in the reserves and they just weren't getting anywhere near the first team so there's a lot of work to be
0: done behind the scenes and just one final player to talk about from last night, I mean the one player who technically a debutant but he was already here towards the end of last season, he's come back on loan for the campaign, Kennedy came on half time first 15-20 minutes, looked quite rusty which was strange because we've seen in training, we've seen the wonderful volley you scored and all that stuff but then he just kicked it up a gear, and there was a couple of moments, he's, he's, gonna, he's only going to get better as pre-season goes on, but where he, he a rasping shot from 25 yards, hit the bar, and just a couple of moments where he almost seemed to have a free roll when he came inside. I mean, for, for the lack of transfer business Newcastle have done this summer, getting him back is a big bonus, isn't it?
1: Yeah, and he's a big bubbly character, do you know what I mean? He's great to have uh, around the group. We've seen, uh, seen how he is with his teammates. Uh, almost treats everything like it's a, a bit of a joke. But really, he's got such ability. Uh, I mean, I, I stood and watched him walk off the training pitcher. Then he just kept the ball up for about, like, 10 minutes or something like that. I just thought, what what a phenomenal talent you guys have got on the hands. If you can get the best out of him, like he did towards the end of last season, then they've got every chance of uh, winning a lot of
0: football matches. And just a final point, live on Facebook, and then we'll finish off on the podcast. So that was the first game of pre-season gone. There's four left. I uh, personally won't be covering them because I'm going away for a bit. But Lee, you're going to be the all. You're going to be out in Portugal. We've got Hull as well, and also the home game against Augsburg. I mean, going forward, is it just going to we're we going to build up and we're going to start to see the first team, the real actual first eleven, start to emerge in the next few games, rather than last night where there was quite a lot of chopping and changing.
1: Yeah, I think the closer you get to Augsburg, I mean, that'll be almost like a, a Premier League dress rehearsal, really, that game. Um, Hull, I think you'll have a few more fringe players in, but there'll be players that don't make that squad to Portugal. Um, Some will be loaned out. We'll mention Longstaff could be one of them. Um, Armstrong, if he can get a move, could be one of them as well. Other players will come in. So, as you say, the closer we get to that big kickoff, the more the team's going to take shape. It's great for Newcastle. You look at someone like Tottenham Hotspur, they've got all them players who just come back from the World Cup on holiday, their heads are probably all over the place. It's a great time to play Tottenham. I think Rafa Benitez will be targeting the full three points in that
0: game. Right, Lisa. we've discussed the tour in Thailand. we've discussed the game, but really I think what everyone wants to hear about, there's two just two topics, is Rafa Benitez's feature, which we'll get onto in a little bit, but in general, transfers, I mean, it was a bit disconcerting yesterday, it's something you've been reporting all summer, but discon- disconcerting when Rafa stood by the side of, of the training pitch and he said... Basically, it looks like it's sell-to-buy. I mean, is that the understanding? Is that your understanding of the situation? Newcastle are struggling for money, even though they're meant to have got £123 million from the Premier League last year, even though they're due £40 to £50 million in lump sum payment this very month from the Premier League. Is that your understanding, it's sell-to-buy? It's
1: just very awkward from the board um, that they put these kind of restraints on the manager. I think uh, it was very interesting yesterday, the reaction a lot of people... Uh, making a sweeping generalisation that we'd been writing that we were going to get £120 million or £80 million or whatever it was when I think from the start we've said, you know, he was going to get a modest budget and then people are like, oh yeah, modest budget but then they're not even thinking what a mo- modest budget is. A modest budget's like, you know, a portion of, of, of the money that they've got really uh, and I think he was probably on course to get about £40 million. then came the contract talks, contract talks Hawks didn't go well, uh, then the, the transfer budget suddenly seemed to plummet, suddenly he's got even less money than he thought he had, and then he's been told us to sell or buy because he hasn't signed the contract, um, and it's an interesting one that they've used that tactic to try and get him to sign the, the contract, and uh, a man like Rafa Benitez isn't going to fall for that, so he'll only sign the contract when it's right, and if you're not going to give him the money, then it's, it's a problem for the club.
0: I mean apologies again if you can hear in the background uh, as I said on the Facebook Live before that there is some drilling going on we are in a courtyard uh, just in the middle of Temple Bar we'll try to find somewhere to film and at first this one seemed good but clearly there's there's a bit of noise in the background but we'll, we'll crack on anyway in terms of in terms of transfers I mean really there's still a lot of work to be done they've got three players through the door but realistically they're certainly no further forward than they were at the end of last season Kendi was already here then, Dubravko was here then are replacing from Reno if anything they've lost one because even though Stamoy didn't play they've lost a striker there I mean Benitez has hinted that he probably wants up to about five additions realistically going forward first of all when can you see a signing coming in and second of all how many do you think will arrive
1: well I mean it would be amazing if they did sign five but we're struggling to get one through at the minute but look it does look like the striker is quite near Uh, Rondon seems to be the man that wants. it's a straightforward deal on paper but then they're talking about the the spiraling of the package overall and how much wages he wants how what does his agent want and everyone wants a slice of the pie and it's that that's why these deals can become a little bit messy and uh i i think by the time portugal comes you know rondon could be through the door that'd be a good signing in my opinion you know it's like there are better strikers out there but they can only get the players out there with the money that they've got, and they haven't got that much money. So you know, it's like they've got to just get on with with the budget they've got. And uh, it's just there's there's more questions than answers. And you know, Rafa is the is the face of the club in in many ways. He's the one who comes out and answers all those questions. But there's people above him that need to come out and take some accountability themselves and, and answer the questions. And uh, Mike Ashley's done it before with Sky. Lee Charlies done articles recently about the accounts but he's not he's not really and you know yourself he's not really taking all these questions is he the questions they should be answering where's the money uh, what happened around his contract? You wouldn't answer. Am I right in saying that?
0: Yeah, it was basically. when I went to speak to him about the accounts. I was—I didn't even know that I was going to get Lee Charlie on the record. I was just going to speak to him about what was in the accounts. And then I did get some quotes from him on the record about the accounts, which made clear to me that they weren't going to discuss anything else. But in good time was what I was told that uh, these questions would be answered. I mean, that is a phrase which doesn't really mean anything for a start. I don't know at what point uh, that means that we're going to get to speak to him. There are questions that need answering. Yeah very much so after yesterday i think there was a bit of a twitter meltdown almost or social media meltdown when all the stuff came out about sell to buy but realistically nothing has changed since yesterday from before that was the situation that it was um, there are serious question marks about where, where the money has gone even if you were to say that the 123 million was all spent last season well where is the 40 to 50 million which is due in this month even if it's just arrived now newcastle could have surely spent ahead and then brought someone in it, there are serious questions which need answering. But the question really did I, we need to ask is, is Lee Charnley the one who can answer those questions? It was interesting that when we sat down with Rafa Benitez yesterday, he name-checked Justin Barnes, who we've asked the club what his official role is. He hasn't Seemingly, he doesn't have an official role. It hasn't been confirmed. Uh, Benitez said that he sat in front of Mike Ashley, Lee Charnley and Justin Barnes. So the, the question really is, who is the person in charge? I mean, Lee... Do you, do you think it's Lee Charlie? Do you think it's Mike Ashley? Do you think it's Justin Barnes? Or is it a mixture of all three? Or does, does anyone know? I think ultimately Ashley has
1: the, the final say. I know he says he takes a step back, but if Rafa wants a player, he has to put the package together. That's then got to go to Charnley. That's then got to go to Barnes. And Barnes is obviously ultimately going to Ashley at the end of it and asking, can we do this or not? And he's getting a yes or no. And then it goes re- back down the chain. And then they've got to start again. And it's just... It's not the way you uh, run a football club. It's certainly not the way at the top clubs. But then, some of the smaller clubs in the Premier League, Bournemouth they they are actually making a mockery of what Newcastle are doing on the recruitment front. You know, they they are bringing in players. They're getting good names. They're spending money, and they they are probably in a slightly different position because, you know, they haven't been relegated recently like Newcastle have. But they have came up all the way up through the divisions and they're managing the money well and they're doing a good job. But know Rafa Benitez isn't getting
0: the backing in my opinion that he deserves I mean inextricably linked within all of the discussion about transfers and money is obviously Rafa Benitez's future in the final 12 months of the contract I spoke to him yesterday and I put the question to him because Lee Charlie said to me that, that the club in his opinion had backed Rafa Benitez and would back Rafa Benitez I asked Rafa Benitez that question point blank does he feel he's been back to which he responded with um I'm doing the best in a difficult situation. Something along those lines. He said, that's all I can say on the matter. Which, if you read between the lines, says to me, he doesn't feel he's being backed. I mean, it seemed quite doom and gloom yesterday from Benitez in terms of his long-term future. There was a bizarre story about how Spain had approached him before the World Cup, and that he could have even been in charge of Newcastle and Spain at the same time. Newcastle seemed to be receptive to it. Um, Didn't happen in the end, too complicated. I mean, Lee he seems to have been offered a five-year contract then he was told Do you want a You can have a one-year extension if you don't want to sign that he's yet to sign anything contract talks seem to have been postponed until after the transfer window are these next three weeks potentially may go break in, in Rafa's long-term future in terms of what he's delivered in the transfer market I think deadline day is judgment day for Newcastle
1: um, you've got to look at the situation if he gets all the players through the door that he, he wants then it bodes well for his contract if he doesn't it's going to be a big problem because why why would you sign it because at the end of the day you're not you haven't been backed so there's, and it isn't the first window he hasn't been backed the, the January windows have been absolutely terrible uh, for him so you know it could be the beginning of the end unfortunately for Rafa Paneas and I, I do think and I'm, I'm just going off what, I, what people talk to me about and what I hear and um, season ticket holders who I've known for a long, long time. Um, if Rafa Benitez walks out, then they might just go with him, and uh, that's not them not supporting the club. It's the, they want to get behind Rafa because Rafa's vision and his philosophy is there for all to see, and that, they, that's what they want to see. They don't want a yes man in charge. You know, they, they had that with Alan Pardew. He was just one of Ashley's buddies, basically, who was going along with whatever the policy was, never changing policy regarding on the depending on the finances and uh yeah there's a the new sweeper going past the a street
0: sweeper <laughs> Raff, So for, sorry there seems to be everything now is, is, is making noise in the background but i mean p- p- picking up on the part i think it's important to say when we're talking about Rafa. As his contract it's not that he's sitting there and oh i want more money in terms of personally it's not that he wants yeah. higher wages it's to do with Transfers, but even then, that isn't just about budget, that's about the way transfers work, and it's also about the academy and the training ground, isn't it? These are facilities which he knows needs to be upgraded. He talks about the academy and he talks about how you put money at the academy every year, players will start to come through, which at the moment they're not, mm-hmm. um, and eventually that will c- become cheaper in the first place. Because as you said, some players you can sell on the likes of Alex Kilietta and Edwin Castle, lost for nothing, you could, have, you could have made some money from, mm-hmm. and uh, also. If you bring it and get so you get a right back from it, you get you get a centre midfielder, players that met the squad, that's also players you don't have to sign and bring in. So I mean that, that's a crucial point, isn't it? It isn't to do with Rafa Benitez and his money, it's it's to do with everything and the way the club's run and ambition really. I think Rafa wanted to
1: revamp the club from top to bottom and he hasn't been able to do that. That was one of the assurances that he requested that he was able to make he spoke to me last year about making three or four changes to the Academy. Hasn't been able to do it. So it's almost like there's a, there's a divide between the academy and, and the first team base because Ralph has is concentrating on the first team as he would but he hasn't been able to make them changes to the academy so it's, it's a situation that needs sorting out and uh, at the minute uh, it just means the club's kind of chugging along really and it doesn't bode well for the future if you, get,
0: if you don't get those signings. And just one final point on, on the whole situation about his contract and, and, and things like that. I mean, the club themselves seem very keen for him still to say. Rafa Benitez has said himself, I can see myself being here five to ten years. He said it last week. He repeated it again yesterday. He, very, he, he loves the fans. We know that. He loves the club. He sees the ambition here. I mean, under Rafa Benitez, this is a person who fans genuinely believe could one day bring trophies to this football club. Do you think Mike Ashley and the board realise that, or do you think for them they purely the only reason or the main reason they want to keep him is because for them he's an asset and, and he could potentially sell the club?
1: Yeah, I think that, that the fans would like to see the club. Uh, so the man of Steady seemed to be prepared to come in with a number of other people, and if that was to be the case, I think that would solve everything because then they would keep Rafa Benitez there, and ultimately the club could then kick on it hasn't been able to do that I mean amazingly enough which is we're in a taxi before and the the driver was Liam (laughs) O'Brien the Liam O'Brien which was I couldn't believe it but you know we were talking about the Kevin Keegan years and how Newcastle were able to really push on and you know money was no object and you know they went out and got the players that they needed and uh, it was just it just took your mind back to a, a time where Newcastle were sort of carefree and they were brave, and they'd go out and get players. People like uh, Douglas Hall and uh, Freddie Shepard would just get on a jet, go somewhere like Palmer, like they did, to sign Tino Esprilla and come back with the deal done. They'd done that for Nobby Solano as well, back in the day. Um, Newcastle haven't got that vision now. They don't seem to know how to do a transfer deal properly. I know they've signed some decent players in the past, uh, but at the minute, they just don't seem to... Know how to get a deal done, and that's sad. And you're just going to get overtaken by rivals and finish further behind them in the Premier League table, if not get relegated. Well,
0: it's interesting you pick up on the Liam O'Brien point because I was initially going to start the podcast with that, but then I completely forgot because <laughs> I was trying to use technology, because technology is not my strong point. But just just going back to that, I mean, it was a, it was a bizarre coincidence. We were staying in Maynooth, which is near uh, Carton House, which is about half an hour, forty-five minutes from Dublin. He, we were in a taxi firm there, he came, came picked us up, and, and you, as you see, we had a good chat on the way down. Um, I mean, just, just, just quickly touching upon Liam O'Brien, someone who I'm sure a lot of Newcastle fans still hold deep affection for and he's always going to be immortalised for his record against Sunderland.
1: Yeah, he is. and You know, I reminded him that fans still actually sing his name to this day, uh, the O'Brien song. And, uh, you know, he had a little trouble at like that. He knew that that was... Uh, I think he knows fine well that they, they, they sing his name, but at the end of the day, he's such a humble guy, such a proper guy that... He was, he's never going to like spout off about stuff like that he's a player that I enjoyed watching you look at his goals still on YouTube and uh, just a brilliant brilliant character of the um, the early entertainers era uh, when Keegan was here as um, he was talking about winning in the first 11 games in the championship in 1992-93 and he got the got the wonderful free kick uh, that won at Roker Park, and we were speaking about that but he also scored the equaliser the year before which saved spared the blushes for Newcastle a uh, wonderful chipped goal at the Roker end and it was just good to, to get those memories going again and uh, you know, good luck to him and apparently I do believe he is coming over to Newcastle for a talk-in later in the year so I'm pretty sure that fans of that era and even the younger fans might uh, turn up and uh, get the picture like we did outside in his taxi
0: I mean just to round off about Ireland and about Raffa and about contract and transfers in general I mean there's been a bit of doom and gloom in this podcast and in general the last few days I mean in terms of, of, of going forward you've said that hopefully there might be a player through the door by potentially a striker by Portugal the next three weeks I mean really what, what do we need to see both in terms of on the pitch in pre-season games and off the pitch for, for Newcastle to be in tip top condition going in that Spurs game
1: Yeah, I think we need to see the same kind of uh, character and commitment on the pitch like we've seen last night Matt Ritchie summed it up for us with that uh, show of aggression, or passion if you like, to have that attitude right in the pitch, no problem there with the players they've got. Uh, off the pitch, they need to get their act together, they need to get Rafa backed, get the players through the door, Do spend the money that's there to spend on players that you put aside and just get on with the job and if they can do that then it might be uh, just about bearable summer.
0: Well, thank you for tuning in there and listening to this podcast. I mean, we're going to have full coverage of the rest of pre-season, obviously any of those transfers, if and hopefully hopefully when, which is what Rafa Benitez has said on a striker front, that these players do arrive. Make sure to tune in to Chronicle Live to listen to them all. Uh, thank you for listening to the Everything is Black and White podcast.